0: Hello everybody, my name is Lat Mackey, and this is Sequence Break, episode number 14, Enchantress of Numbers. And here she is, Enchantress of Numbers! <laughs> how are you? I am good, how are you? I am good. Uh, let's do a quick intro first, and I was looking over your speedrun.com profile here, and there are so many games you have submitted for speedruns. Zelda 2, Tetris, a bunch of different Tetrises, Pyramid, Looney Tunes, uh, Tiny Tunes, I'm sorry. Do you have like a favorite game of any of the speedruns you've submitted? um probably zelda 2 okay.
1: uh as you can see there are a lot of different categories i've run of zelda 2
0: <laughs> there are the category extensions all of them my personal favorite yeah. the reverse boss order which you've been recently uh grinding last this pre in uh, the last couple months yeah the uh,
1: that's one I really want to get into a gdq at some point
0: so I've definitely keeping my fingers crossed for that one I would ugh, I'd love to see that one <laughs> in, in there um okay so uh, there's, there's there's a lot to get to so uh, I asked uh, Eon if she wouldn't mind perhaps we're, we're gonna record for a while here we may split this up in a couple episodes we may not but we're gonna be covering it quite a bit so if you're watching this live right now get comfortable get yourself a beverage you may want to grab a sandwich but uh, if if your listeners on the podcast it may be split up into a couple episodes and thankfully on has agreed to to do so um there's, there's let's first start with uh when did you start playing what is like what are your me- early memories of video games how did you get into gaming
1: yeah so um I was the youngest uh I, my sister is five years older than me and my brother is seven years older than me so I was like two years old when we got a Nintendo Whoa. <laughs> so so like I I'm fairly certain Super Mario 1 is my first video game but I don't honestly remember that far back (laughs) so basically as i've been playing video games as literally as long as i can remember um so yeah just we we always had the nes i remember like um as a kid Uh, watching my dad play zelda one i remember when we got the super nintendo watching my dad play sim city (laughs) (laughs) so it's and like my brother would always play a a bunch of games and my sister too and so
0: it was just kind of like just the thing (laughs) Did, did you have any favorites growing up i know my automatic assumption goes to some sort of zelda game because that's the one i watch on your stream that you grind the most but anything outside of that or maybe it is that one
1: yeah, I mean Zelda 2 has since childhood been my favorite Zelda game. So um that's the the reason I run it. Uh I also uh Tetris, I played a lot of Game Boy Tetris growing up. That was a big one. Um I I played actually a lot of Mega Man X on the Super Nintendo. That was one um I would I got to the point where I would intentionally start skipping power-ups to try to make it more challenging. And so I have like aspirations of sometime doing like an any percent buster only run of that. (laughs) That is crazy.
0: So, because as a kid, I I never even heard of the speed run. So, this is like amazing. You were already challenging yourself (laughs) early on. Oh, yeah. Like, I
1: I played uh, Mortal Kombat Trilogy on the Nintendo 64. And I would, like, there were cheat codes for that, but there were some that would actually make the game harder. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so like there was one that made the towers basically entirely endurance rounds. So you're fighting like uh, two, three, four uh, opponents in one match. And I'd like play very hard difficulty on the tallest tower.
0: Um, you know, it's so funny with- you say that because I thought like Nintendo itself is already as challenging as it possible. For in my opinion, as a kid, it was already like as challenging as it could be. You're already looking to push yourself <laughs> further in that. Yeah, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, so, okay, do you remember then the first time that you maybe even uh, exp- or saw a speedrun or or thought to yourself, maybe I should time this or have you ever... Can you remember that that process? Maybe the first time you might have tried a, a quote-unquote official speedrun.
1: <laughs> yeah, so like we had Super Mario Kart um, and growing up and that would actually like being a racing game at times you and stuff. And so on the time trials, it would actually save the fastest times and stuff like that. And so that's really, I would say like the first quote real speed running that <laughs> I ever did. Yeah. Um, I was not great at that game, but it was fun. Um, my brother was way better at it than me. <laughs>
0: So uh, with with in my family, Mario Kart 64 was a fun game that we liked to play a lot. And and it was nice having the actual, like, you could see what your times were. It's, I kind of remember that's like, I don't remember a lot of games having those features. Because I, I didn't right. play Super Metroid either. I never beat the game or anything like that. So I didn't see what my in-game timer was. It was nice to have those kind of options.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so, like, uh, other, like, early speedrun things, I, I remember, like, there was a, a video or two on uh, eBombs World, if you remember that website. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> back in like the like you know two thousand five, two thousand six, something like that. The early aughts. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it was uh, I think it was called like Japan Tetris Finals or something like that, and it was <laughs> it was a video of of TGM, and so that was like oh that's so cool, and that's crazy how fast it goes, and I want to do that, and then like. A few years later, there was the, uh, that famous, uh, Super Mario 3 uh, test. We didn't know it was a test at the time, but, um, so I saw that one. And th- those were kind of the early things that got me into, uh, into it. When I saw that SMB3 test, I actually tried to replicate it. I got <laughs> like, <laughs> I was able to do like, um, occasionally i was able to play uh level one one at about the same way that the test did it but
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's the one we could all we could try to get a little bit close but it's funny you mentioned that because that that has come up quite a bit uh on this podcast about people who have oh my gosh and now origin wants to install on me right now um people have mentioned it quite a bit uh the um the the, the super mario brothers 3 tasks and how that that's kind of it seems like it's one of the early viral videos for video gaming of that kind of style that i can remember like retro games and stuff right okay so what was then the so if you okay so you tried playing one one when was the first what was the first uh, speed run that you actually like submitted to any leaderboard or decided to record and, and and go through the process
1: yeah so that would have been uh tetris the grandmaster um my first gm game was it was like a 12 minute and 24 second or something i want to say i don't remember uh exactly i could go look up on the forum post where i posted it and and track that down but that was back in uh uh like august uh 2015 i want to say so um <laughs> so that was my first one and and i was you know pretty Pretty gung-ho about the tetris at that point so that was about all i was playing
0: <laughs> did um did you have your screen name at this point
1: i did yeah so i'd actually um i picked my screen name uh, i don't know tw- probably in 2014 at some point um and yeah it's um so enchantress of numbers is a reference to ada lovelace um it was it's actually a nickname of hers and she was a uh, mathematician and the first computer programmer um and so it's kind of an homage to her and like because i studied math uh, i i like it a lot i had <laughs> aspirations of like getting a phd in math and i got real burned out on school and so uh i became a software developer instead <laughs> but i still really like math so um it's uh I don't know. That's just
0: kind of the origin story there. <laughs> Face says that Ada Lovelace was the uh, was the greatest of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, it's interesting that you have the math background because I. It, <laughs> I have such a love hate relationship with math. I, I wanted, when I got to college, I wanted to challenge myself with math. So I took some sort of calculus class that I can't remember what it was. But I remember that at that point, I was not going to pursue math anymore because it kicked my butt. But some there's a real, I think there is some, interestingly enough, there's some real creativity and some beauty in math itself and some of the things oh. you could accomplish with math. For sure.
1: Yeah. That's like, a lot of that stuff's not real apparent in, um, particularly math through high school that's all about just like you know you learn the formula you learn how to solve the problem and you just sort of plug and chug and and go and that's um that's a lot less interesting but once you start like getting to what we affectionately call real math (laughs) (laughs) where you're uh um where you're actually doing proofs and um, learning the concepts and applying it to sure, maybe at first you're not discovering new math, but it's you're you're figuring out what those relationships are and and why um, why the you know you. Why various things that you learned in your classes actually works and stuff like that. So
0: <laughs> uh, I think that's so fascinating. Uh, the, the the couple of people who I know who who have gone on to do high level math who maybe majored in math or did some of that, um, it's It's I should it's not surprising anymore. But the creativity that they have, it's really interesting. Uh, they're into art. They're into all these things that really open the mind to the creative side of it. And uh, at first, back in the day when I was younger, I you know I just stereotypical math. I think it's five plus whatever. There's 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 definite there's definitive answers to math and when you get to the high levels, it's pretty awesome that there's creativity associated with it
1: yeah yeah especially like at the higher level it's it's less about like the answer and like this is the answer to the problem but rather like communicating how you arrived there and because the steps that you took to get to the answer that's the interesting stuff and that's the stuff that you like if you apply something like the pigeonhole principle in a different, unique way, then like someone sees that and they're like, oh, I can take that and apply it in this other completely different area and um to achieve the result i've been working on right. stuff like that so
0: no i think it's really cool it's also i'm glad you mentioned your background a little bit in software development because there there is a common theme among speedrunners that are maybe you've noticed but there are a fair amount of uh software engineers software develop all these different type of disciplines within yep. the speed community which i think is awesome that's probably why we have randomizers and stuff like that oh for sure yeah that's um
1: like it, it also from like the technical standpoint that's why i like things like glitches and stuff mm. like I I like to understand sort of the nuts and bolts about why the wrong warp happens or how you corrupt the memory to do an arbitrary code execution. <laughs> uh, like all of those kinds of things are just fascinating to me. So,
0: well, I think that's so cool. And that I think segues us quite well to our Tetris discussion here. And so the, what we're going to try to do is I, I am... I, Eon was nice enough to let me um, play on her uh, Tetris the Grandmaster machine at, at AGDQ 2020. But my Tetris fascination, I, I, I got one of the only reasons I picked up the Switch was to play Tetris 99. No joke. I am not very good at the game, but I'm fascinated by everything that. Like, this is a game that is decades old now and is still just as fun to play as it was decades ago. Okay. So, uh, uh oh. You still with us? Yeah, okay. sorry.
1: My, uh,. <laughs> I guess uh, my computer, I upgraded the operating system recently, and it's a little aggressive with trying to, with the power settings. So, no, no, sorry about
0: that. I'll no. just try to make sure to keep moving the mouse or something. It's quite all right. The, the video and the audio did not cut out at all. You're still with it. Okay. So, so uh, you mentioned your first uh, Tetris experience. Uh, what, what is it about Tetris that appeals to you?
1: Yeah, so I like how um, basically each game is different um because the piece sequence is random so you're always reacting to what it's giving you and um even if like you do happen to get you know the same starting piece sequence or something like that as you play and accumulate experience and stuff and you that influences the way that you stack and so um like if you gave me the same piece sequence of a game that i played A year ago, and you gave me that same exact piece sequence today, I'm sure I would play it completely differently. And so like, it's just, it's different every time. And it's, there's just always, you know, a a fresh challenge. There's, you know, it's just and there's also just something, like, soothing about the patterns and, like, <laughs> stacking blocks.
0: <laughs> well, and then hearing what you've just mentioned previously about math and things like that, it, I can see the connection there <laughs> between uh, between that. Um, so I was looking, as I was doing some research for this, uh, according to a Wikipedia article I found, there are over, there's something like 100 in, in the teens, 114, 120 different official and unlicensed Tetris games out of there. Out there. Um, can you tell us what some of the differences are between different types of Tetris? sure so like one of the big things that's different about uh
1: so a lot uh, modern tetris games have standardized a lot of these things and so uh the differences tend to be talking about uh tetris games kind of pre 2000 maybe 2005 Hmm. somewhere in that era um before that uh there were the the Tetris company hadn't really like clamped down on what the official (laughs) guideline was. And so um, before that there were differences, like whatever the randomizer was going to be in the game, how it chooses the pieces uh, you pick any two games from before uh, about 2000 or so, and they're all going to have different uh, systems for picking the pieces. Like, uh nes tetris uses uh it's frame based and so it's about like the frame that the piece locks down um and it has it keeps track of one piece the most recent piece you got it remembers that and if it rolls that same piece it tries to roll again and uh but then it'll just give you the next piece no matter what um so it had a little bit of like at that point, and you know, that was like what 1989 they released that. They were thinking about things that, like trying to give you fair piece sequences as opposed to like very, very early Tetris was just pure random and it, you could get some real, uh, real ugly, uh, unforgiving piece sequences. <laughs> um, but then you look at like, uh, you know, well, Sega Tetris was a, a game that was, it's an arcade game, it was released in Japan that one um it was quite a bit different from nes tetris that we had here where like in nes tetris you basically have no what we call lock delay where when the piece touches down it basically locks down you have like a little bit of time to maneuver to get like a t-spin in or something like that but um sega tetris had uh gave you a little bit of window to maneuver the piece before it locked down um and that was kind of like how NES Tetris was the popular Tetris in the United States or North America. Um I don't know about Europe, I was I would assume it was the the Tetris there too. Um and in Japan the Tetris that everyone played was um the Sega Tetris. They didn't actually uh there was a Tetris on the Famicom, but it was not at all the same as the the Tetris
0: that was released on the NES, so interesting so okay so i gotta say just real quickly in my family was the game boy tetris because we, a couple of us had the game boy so the competitive competitive aspect of that was popular in my household um what's different about the famicom uh tetris version that's interesting
1: yeah so i uh, also jump in and say that the game boy tetris was my uh tetris version as well we my dad got it when like the game boy first start first came out so i was like four years old don't <laughs> Don't do the math on my age, please. <laughs> um, it's okay, I'm older. So play, I played that for decades. Yeah. Um and
0: <laughs> so good. Handheld Tetris yeah. is
1: like the greatest thing ever. So yeah, I never actually owned NES Tetris, um, but it, it's still NES Tetris is kind of the definitive version. And there yeah. are, people think it's the same as the Game Boy Tetris, but there's actually some significant differences. But uh, so Famicom Tetris is... Um, it was made actually like kind of before they probably should have made it because they didn't. There was some weird stuff with uh, licensing. And so, um, Elorg, the Russian electro, electronics organization, whatever, they sold the rights for computers to uh, Spectrum Holobyte. And then Spectrum Holobyte overextended what that license was supposed to actually be Uh and ended up reselling it to a bunch of different other companies for, um, other platforms. And so, uh, Bulletproof software in Japan, um, bought the license to make it for the Famicom. Um, and, uh, so (laughs) this is actually have a complete inbox copy of it. That is so cool. Uh, So, uh, they, um, they made a Tetris game, and the ran- I, I think the randomizer is pure random on it. Um, it has lives, so you can, like, top out three times before the game ends. Um, it has really weird concepts in there that you just don't see in Tetris, like, in any other Tetris game, really. Um, it also, uh, it kind of had the uh, concept of starting with garbage in the play field, um, like the B-type Tetris that you see in NES Tetris. and. Uh, Game Boy Tetris. Um, and so it was 25 lines you had to clear to pass a level in uh, Famicom Tetris. Also, the controls are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, because uh, to what, you know, like we're used to using the D pad to move the piece and then like down to soft drop and up to hard drop and then like your A and B buttons to rotate, right? Yeah. So, uh, Famicom Tetris. Uh, left and right move left and right. Up does nothing. Uh, B button also does nothing. A button does a hard drop. Oh no. <laughs> and the down button rotates your piece. And you only have one rotation direction and
0: <laughs> who the hell thought that was a good idea?
1: Hank Rogers.
0: I <laughs> <Yeah, well>, that. <laughs> of course. Oh my god. So, that sounds like an experience. I, I may have to try this because it sounds god-awful.
1: Yeah, oh, and if you do play it, you know, like, please make sure you don't map the controls to something that makes sense.
0: No. You've got to enjoy the pain. <laughs> yeah, you have to play it that way. Epic yeah, Monkey in the chat says, so many car trips with Game Boy Tetris and a link cable. Uh, if you had brothers or sisters, that was the way to do it. If you had siblings, uh, be it in know. the car, Game Boy Tetris. That was, that was the way to go. Um, yeah, okay. that
1: was... My, my sister was the champion at Game Boy Tetris as a kid. And
0: so <laughs> no! Of all people, my mom and dad were the best. And as kids, losing to your parents was just like... In video games was the worst thing in the world. So we stopped playing the parents after a while. <laughs> you, you mentioned it, uh, that you owed... We saw, on uh, if you're watching this on the video, the Famicom cart of uh, Tetris. what uh, How many uh, Tetris games might you own? And can, would you mind sharing with us some of the variants?
1: Yeah, so I own... Um, I actually haven't... like gone and updated my, uh, catalog with my most recent, <laughs> um, acquisitions, but I've got some, something like 23, I think, different Tetris games. So, um, yeah, I can share on the video, some, uh, uh, some interesting ones that maybe are a little bit less well-known, uh, here in the West. I got a lot of, uh, Japanese ones, um, cause Great. that's where, they released a lot of the cool ones that we just never got. Like, uh, so a common theme uh, that Japan,
0: Japan gets a lot of cool games that we don't get. <laughs> yeah.
1: So there's Tetris two plus bombless. So, uh, that's, this is not the Tetris two that we got here in, uh, North America. That is not really a Tetris game. It's kind of like Dr. Mario slash Tetris hybrid, but with really weird pieces. Uh, this one actually has a legitimate decent Tetris game in it, but then it also has, bomb bliss which is a super fun game mode um also very awful and difficult so (laughs) (laughs) um another good one uh tetris battle gaiden is a super famicom game um so it is like a tetris fighting game (laughs) um you have like different characters that you can pick that have different special moves and you clear orbs on the screen to get uh to be able to like use your magic powers and stuff like that um so here this is uh tetris the grandmaster there we go <laughs> so this is what the actual arcade pcb looks like at the bottom here is the JAMMA edge um <laughs> it's so, so cool uh, um, and then uh one more pcb uh tgm2 this is a like
0: uh, big tall pcb <laughs> wow would that be uh, uh vertical or uh in, in a in a cab or how would I, know sometimes... I don't exactly
1: know how they usually i don't i think it would be laying flat like this okay. in a cab but i don't really know i don't own a cab so right.
0: <laughs> i know sometimes um, they uh sometimes it's horizontal sometimes it's vertical
1: uh got maybe two more i'll show off yeah please of... this is great so, so cool uh, to uh this is the most adorable Tetris game ever, Uh, Tetris with Cardcaptor Sakura Eternal Heart. So uh, if you're a fan of the Cardcaptor Sakura anime, this is um, uh, basically it's the story of season three, as I understand it, of the anime, Hmm. Uh, but it's also Tetris and it's an adorable (laughs) Tetris game. It's also, uh, if you play on the normal mode, it's actually quite difficult. Um, And uh, this is one I I ran um, at, AGDQ 2017 I think yeah AGDQ 2017 I raced Kevin DDR in the, in this one so that's a good one oh. um, and then another one Tetris X this is a, another Playstation one um, I am told that this game is really bad uh, <laughs> I've not actually <laughs> played it since I got it
0: <laughs> real but I, I have
1: I have plans to, uh, I want to do like a marathon someday oh, where I just play through all of my Tetris games. Yes,
0: that'd be so cool. <laughs>
1: it Like, I've done the math. Like, even if I play like 15 minutes per game, it would be like over 10 hours.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so wonderful uh epic ninja monkey in the chat was asking uh he knows it's a different style of game but uh do you ever play like tetris attack or tetris panel
1: uh no i have not ever actually played that um it looks really cool uh but it's not one i've really dabbled in um i i've watched some you know speed runs when like it's been at gdq and stuff like that and uh it's really cool but i have like like they're making moves and stuff that i just don't see right and so um it's definitely one uh, i'd like to play but i also feel like i would be real bad at it like uh like i mentioned before the episode started that i'm real bad at dr mario i'm also real bad at uh puyo puyo
0: <laughs> another popular variant um, so you know, I, I got a chance. I, I feel lucky enough now that in, you did a panel in uh, at SGDQ 2018 now about the arcade machines, and that's when I saw that you. you I believe you brought TGM to that one, right? That's yeah. yeah. So I think that's when I kind of became aware of Tetris the Grand Master. Um, first of all, uh, how before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts of Tetris the Grandmaster, how do you go about picking up a PCB and being able to play it in your home? And so how does that whole process work?
1: Yeah. So, well, you just have your home arcade and
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's perfect, Uh,
1: right? No. So, um, so that, that's a process. When I first got into it, like I saw that, you know, Japan Tetris finals video back in like 2005. And I was like, this is awesome. I want to play this game. And I had no idea how (laughs) (laughs) and i I, like my google foo was was real bad at that time so i couldn't even find it oh no Uh, oh no um but eventually um i i was able to learn enough um at like the end of 2014 beginning of 2015 um i was able i learned enough uh search terms to actually find the game um (laughs) I, I bought my TGM1 PCB off of eBay, uh, which is you can sometimes find them there. Although it's not super recommended because you you may not get what you're expecting. <laughs> so I got lucky. I actually got a a functioning board that uh, has sometimes from some good uh, Japanese players on it. So uh, my top top two slots are taken by a player by uh, goes by 309 um on on the arcade initials and so uh he's got some really good videos up on youtube if you can find them uh
0: that is so cool so you actually know who the are you're familiar with this is a real person
1: right yeah yeah and so it's like i've still got to shave quite a bit of time off my pb before i can like get on the leaderboard on my board
0: (laughs) Um, brutal
1: (laughs) yeah yeah but it's it's cool to have like those you know we call it like signing the board or something like that yeah um so yeah i got my board on ebay um other boards i've bought from uh, there's an arcade seller uh tops slash sophia corp in japan that they will uh sell and ship um outside of the country hmm. um some people will also go onto like yahoo auctions japan and use a bidding proxy to buy a pcb and stuff like that
0: that's not something i have experienced with but i know other people have had success I have uh, not for PCBs, but for PC engine games. That's where I've, I've used. Uh, oh. There's I've used one of those, and it, it's a process. It's it's not, not right. that, it's not too challenging, but it's a process, and you're gonna pay extra for the imports and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so then once you get the PCB, you've got a. Um, that's not enough to play it unless you do actually have a home arcade that you can just <laughs> plug a jam a game into. Um, but so I had to find uh, what we call a super gun since I don't have an arcade. Um, And what a super gun is, is basically it's the guts of an arcade system. Um, It takes, uh, it generally connects to the JAMMA edge on your PCB. And then it has interfaces for uh, getting the video out and getting the controls into uh, the game. So, um, so I bought one that's like a really weird uh, Japanese, like, it's just a giant, thing it's like an all-in-one solution that's got like the arcade controls built into it and then it also has like the video out and that's uh, it was called a pain a custom um, it was expensive and it's kind of neat for what it is but also it's kind of uh not the best <laughs> <laughs> so i've i've since gotten a, a super gun from a company uh, Smallcab.net. they're a french company um and it's, it's a real good one. I would show it, but it's all, I'd have to like oh, yeah. tear apart my Don't setup <laughs> to do that. But uh, then it takes like a DB15 uh, connection, basically like the Neo Geo standard uh, pinout um, for the. Uh, so from there, you can like Undammed makes uh, USB decoders that you can use to get like a PS3 or Xbox or something uh, arcade stick to break out the pins and do that. Or you could uh, go the route I did, which was completely gut the inside of a, an arcade stick and wire it up specifically for DB 15. Um, <laughs>
0: oh my God. How long did that take?
1: Uh, I don't know. An afternoon. Oh, okay. Was it uh, uh, too crazy? Uh, not too bad. I, so you can see here, this is my arcade stick. There's a DB 15 port on there. There's also an RJ 45 port. Cause I wired it up to a, uh, with an MC Cthulhu so I can play our uh, console games on it. So (laughs)
0: because why not? Right. (laughs) Right. So having had an opportunity to play on it in real life, it feels wonderful. And I'm sure you've put countless hours into that thing. It still feels great. I don't know how often you have to do maintenance on the uh, on the Uh, thing itself. Not too often. Um, I do have to do
1: some stuff with uh, I need to put some diodes in there to isolate the MC Cthulhu, because when playing TGM three, uh, the way that uses a different standard, it's newer than the JAMA standard, and so the way the controls work, somehow the MC Cthulhu messes it up and it just doesn't work, so I gotta like isolate the two uh, paths <laughs> in there. Um, but as far as like the buttons and the the joystick and stuff, like those arcade parts are, are built to last, and I, um, I did all the work on that in 2017, like. So, so, like, two and a half years ago at this point, maybe a little bit more. Um, and, yeah, it's... Well,
0: uh, yeah. You, you mentioned it, too. I mean, you um, obviously have some technical expertise. So, for those of us that may not, um, it seems like there are options. You could use a PlayStation 3 joy, uh, joystick. I mean, there at least there are other ways to play the game still, even if you weren't <laughs> as technically inclined right. as you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, there are
1: um, the... Uh, Undammed USB decoder is a really good thing. They have a model that uh, takes USB in and has DB15 out, um, but that's often sold out. (laughs) Um, So uh, the worst case you could get, they have one that takes USB in and it has terminal blocks out. And so then you could take that and then take like a, a DB15 breakout with terminal blocks and just wire up the terminal blocks. And that way you're just like, you have to strip some wires, but then you're just screwing them down. You don't actually have to like deal with a soldering iron or anything like that.
0: You know, this is a great place to do a great place to do a quick plug too, because if you're at all interested in any of the arcade stuff, and I didn't know anything about this, I, let me highly recommend Eon's and and Listar's panel they did at SGDQ 2018 because they show a lot of the hardware, they go in, they get just as geeky uh, for that, and it's it's really kind of a great starting place if you're at all interested in this, because like you mentioned, sometimes at least when I started, I went down the rat hole just a little bit, and a lot of the stuff um, was uh, that I found was, that I was interested in was in Japanese and it was a little bit challenging some of the language barrier stuff so I appreciated having some so, some resources for that
1: oh for sure and like when I first got started I had no idea what I was doing so um, <laughs> please learn from my mistakes there you go <laughs> so you don't make those same mistakes uh, I'm, I'm happy to uh, help out with anyone wanting to get into this kind of thing um, because Arcade stuff is really cool, but it's it is a little bit impenetrable. So.
0: Oh my gosh! It it seems like everything is a different standard. There's there isn't. I mean, I know there are, but there seems like every nothing cooperates with anything. (laughs) Right. Okay, so let's let's let's. So what exactly is Tetris the Grand Master, and what kind of makes it unique in the world of Tetris?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, usually, like when we do. exhibitions and showcases of TGM, we kind of compare it to NES Tetris because they're both kind of classic Tetris games. Um, but in I did mention a little bit earlier the Sega Tetris, uh, where it lets you, like, have some time to maneuver the piece before it locks down. And so um, TGM was actually kind of a spiritual successor to uh, Sega Tetris. So um, rather than being like... Um, and yes, Tetris, where it's like you clear ten lines and you advance a level, and then it speeds up, and then you know all of that stuff. Uh, TGM advances the level with every piece that you place and every line that you clear, so the levels go advance very, very quickly, uh, which allows for a more dynamic speed curve. It allows for um, uh, it, interesting ways to push the player um, because they so when if you pay attention when you watch a game it has the level it'll have like a number but then there'll be a div- like written like a fraction kind of like uh you're on level 152 out of 200 um and then so when you get to 199 there um another piece spawning doesn't advance the level counter that's what we call a level stop you actually have to clear a line to advance past that level um and so uh that's kind of a, an, an interesting um, concept, especially when it comes to a speed run because like if you're doing a score attack, well you could use that time to stack up. So then you have all these blocks on screen that you can start you know comboing down or clearing tetrises to get points. Uh, but in a speed run you don't want to do that. <laughs>
0: And and um and for the speedrun of it, like you want the idea is that you want to clear you wanna finish as fast as possible, just like any other typical speedrun. Right. Okay. So um
1: and the other thing is uh this actually has an end. So which was not at all common for Tetris games back in uh so TGM one was released in nineteen ninety-eight. Um, but for really anything before like modern guideline Tetris, there weren't really many game modes that had an end it was basically just play until you top out play as long as you can survive Ex- exception being like b-type in nes tetris or something like that but that was a much shorter game where you're only trying to clear 25 lines um
0: and is it, it would was i noticed that there's a competitive mode uh there's a two-player mode uh, right. as well so there, it seems like there's there's different game modes within tetris the grandmaster itself
1: right yeah so if it in tgm1 um <laughs> So from the title screen, it doesn't show that there are a lot of game modes, but there are a lot a lot of things are hidden behind button codes. And so you can get to a bunch of different uh, interesting game modes that way in in later versions, TGM2 and TGM3, they added sort of a menu so you could select your game modes that way with without having to re- rely so much on those button codes. Um, but yeah, it's the other things that are are kind of different like, and yes, the piece touches down, it locks TGM. You can maneuver it a bit. Um, TGM also introduced uh, this concept called uh, wall kicks. So basically, like uh, if you've ever played a Tetris game, you might think like, oh, it'd be really nice if I could rotate this piece under this overhang or something like that, if it could just sort of slide into there. And a lot of classic Tetrises don't let you do that. Um, but then um, you can, uh, in TGM, what they do is, if you were to rotate a piece, and in the normal rotation box, if that would like intersect the wall or intersect um, one of the pieces in the playing field, it tries to first shift the piece over to the right one column and see if it can complete the rotation. And if that does, it does that. Uh, and if it fails, it will see, well, what if I shift the piece left one column and then try to complete the rotation? Does that succeed? And so it tries those things before uh, just throwing up and saying, no, we can't make that rotation, um, which allows for ro- you know, things where you can rotate under some stuff or some some other rotations that can be really counterintuitive until you
0: realize exactly how that rotation system works it's nice to hear you talk through it because when i watch you speedrun the game all of that stuff is happening so fast that i just like why how are the pieces able to move in ways i've never seen before it's crazy right
1: yeah <laughs> and that, that's what's going on and so like modern guideline tetris takes that to the extreme in that i don't remember the exact order for how it processes those uh wall kicks and stuff but it also in addition to wall kicks moving left and right it introduces ceiling kicks and floor kicks moving up and down and so then the piece like we joke they they call their rotation system the super rotation system or srs um i like to joke that it's the sudden relocation system <laughs> <laughs> um but because like and as someone who has not played a lot of guideline tetris i just have no intuitive concept for how pieces are going to behave when i get into those situations right <laughs>
0: right i can really imagine how much it throws a a fork into your normal thought process if you're so used to things that rotate in a specific way right um uh, epic once again asks where does a tgm uh, ace on x360 oh an xbox 360 fall in the tgm series
1: yeah so the tgm ace i think that was also released in i think that was like 2005 it was released i could be wrong um so that one is uh it's not generally regarded as part of the TGM series by the community. Um, it's So it forces uh, the Tetris guideline on the player, but apparently you could download uh, somehow the Eureka rotation system or a modified version of the Eureka mm. rotation system to play what we call classic mode on there. Um, I've never actually played it Um i'm told it's actually not a bad game but it's just it's not it's very different from tgm um in the arcade uh and so that's i don't know a lot about it i just know that it's a thing and that it was only really released in japan and so you had to have like a japanese xbox live account in order to actually like do anything with it and all that stuff so
0: well and that was going to be one of my questions is because you know it, it, this there is a barrier to entry to play this game first of all you need right. to go to an arcade that might have one or have you get your own hardware so are there are, are there ports or it doesn't sound like there are, are there any ports yeah so there are well there are um
1: a couple of uh community um oh. games like fan clones mm-hmm. or whatever uh is a an old one that's been um i even older than that there was one called heberus or i think that's how you pronounce it i don't know um that's <laughs> a real interesting one but it's not super accurate um uh, and then one. uh textmaster for uh, the longest time was the gold standard and it it's quite a bit more accurate um and then somewhat more recently uh a project called Shiramino uh came out and that is uh basically uh with the goal of being dead on accurate to TGM. So um that and that's the one I typically recommend to people to pick up. There's also uh there is some emulation that you can do through mame. We have a fork uh of mame called um schmup well the schmup mame is a fork of mame for schmups. <laughs> and then we then someone at some point forked that and made a fork shmup mame to make a TGM version um that is designed basically specifically to run TGM (laughs) so
0: (laughs) forks of forks
1: yes so um so those are are various ways that people uh get started or you could um take the route I took which was hey let's buy an an arcade board before we even know how to like connect it to anything and then just sort of figure it out
0: that seems like a good way to do it (laughs) right it it worked for me (laughs) so uh, what is it about tgm that uh that appeals to you because as you mentioned there are so many different variations on tetris what is it about tgm that that appealed to you
1: yeah so tgm is like it's got a ridiculously high skill ceiling (laughs) it Um, looks that way i'm glad to hear you say that (laughs) yeah no i i definitely like that's one thing that draws me into uh speed games in general or, or just Games that I find interesting are ones that really do have a high skill ceiling. Um, and Zelda so two definitely
0: fits that, <laughs> yes, that as well. Sorry,
1: yeah. So, I, I that's like one thing that I really like about it. And I, it's like it's just the most, it feels to me like the most pure Tetris game mm. in a way. Yeah. Like, it's just, um, like it gives you all of these tools to succeed, and then it expects you to use them and succeed. And (laughs) so it's. It's a very punishing game, um, which is another thing that I like about my video games. (laughs) (laughs) You like to feel the pain. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Glutton for punishment. So, no, it's it's a when you're playing and when you're playing it well, when you're succeeding, it is so satisfying. It's like. It's such a rewarding game to play. Well, we sort of have a saying in the community: someone gets their first GM in in TGM one, or you know, in a uh, their first GM in any particular game mode. Really, uh, the the standard um, well wishes, congratulations that we give are enjoy your day of infinite happiness, because <laughs> like that's really what it's like uh, when you when you get that first GM in a game mode it's like yes I've conquered this I can do this and you're just sort of like basking in that glow for a day and (laughs) um it's it's a wonderful feeling and uh so it's just you know that that dopamine rush is just (laughs) just kind of trying to chase that down again after you get that the first time and so
0: well, and speaking of that, I mean, can you, would you mind walking us through a little bit some of the, uh, the, how does, I mean, I guess it, it seems like a quite a, a competitive game anyway, but can you walk us through some of the categories or the more competitive, uh, categories in the speed run itself and what, what, what makes the speed run of it, uh, unique or is it just the game itself? Right.
1: Yeah. So, um, one thing that's, uh, interesting about it is that it's not, I wouldn't call it a pure speed run hmm. because, um, it's sort of like a combination speed run score run Mm, um because you have to not only get to the end as quickly as possible but you also the rank that you achieve so the game uh one thing i didn't mention before was the game uh awards you a rank when you play so you start out and at the top right of your well it has a big number nine (laughs) (laughs) And you clear some lines, and then that turns to an eight, and it has a little fanfare, and it's like, "Oh, I did something good. This is exciting. <laughs> I'm getting better." Um, and then that'll count all the way down to one, um, and then after that, it goes to S1, and then it counts up to S9, um, and then if you uh, if you do some other additional things, you can get the grandmaster rank after that, and so. Uh, TGM1, the requirements to get that Grandmaster rank are lax enough that um basically all speedruns, all successful game clears that are, you know, um of any speed, if you know, like some someone who for the first time clears the game may not get a Grandmaster rank, but uh, you know, if you're clearing it under twelve minutes or better, you're basically guaranteed to be getting a grandmaster rank at that point so um so it's kind of the combination of of balancing out uh making sure you uh, meet those requirements for grandmaster while still also playing fast and since tgm1 is a pure score attack the way it, uh, it except for the grandmaster rank there are some time things involved but if you're the way that you score points is by clearing tetrises. Um, you can actually score more points with combos, but that's a little bit slower, and it's not necessary. So generally, you're just stacking for Tetris' and trying to go. And that's how you you get the points for Grandmaster. And that also makes you go uh, faster, because the time it takes to clear a line is the same, no matter how many lines you clear. Um, and it also advances your levels. So if you clear a Tetris, in that same amount of time for the line clear, you've advanced four times as many levels as you did on a
0: single um and so i'm just thinking of the kind of strategies that might create then because you, you have to strategize then if, for the speed run itself
1: right so in in tgm1 there's no instant drop and so mm. if you watch tgm1 speed runs you'll notice players will stack up to the top of the screen and yeah. play up at the top of the screen and so there are some interesting strategies like because you know sort of like fighting games we do get into like the frame timings of different things of <laughs> of how the different how the stuff works and so uh, early on because the gravity is so slow it takes so long to drop an eyepiece down the side of the well that uh it's actually faster if you can have a like clear a triple higher up in the stack so you stack like column nine is lower than column eight and the rest of them and then you can take an l piece and plop it in there for a triple uh that can actually even though it doesn't get you as many points, it's slightly faster by a few frames oh, than dropping the eyepiece down all the way down the well. Or there's a player, uh, Kashiwa, uh, a Japanese player who sort of popularized this method of intentionally blocking off the well about, like, seven or eight rows up. So then your eyepiece doesn't have to fall all the way down to clear a Tetris. So yeah. then you can stack up high and still clear Tetrises and go even faster. and And it saves, like another seven eight frames because the piece falls at one
0: when you're holding down on the joystick the piece falls one row per frame so that's fascinating has anybody tasked this game or has there been have people looked at it frame by frame to know some of those kind of timings
1: yeah so we know all the timings about how the game is uh, broken down and that's you can find all of that stuff on tetris.wiki um nice (laughs) yeah and so uh we we have all of those frame timings down there there have been um some tasks projects uh i don't have links or anything handy on them and i don't remember specifically which uh categories have been tasked but also like testing arcade stuff is real difficult and there's not a lot of good test tools in built into mame and Mm -hmm. so it's a lot of the people who have done it have kind of built their own tools and haven't really shared them around very much and stuff like that. So, and I hear,
0: I've heard that many a times from the Tassers about how MAME specifically doesn't, you know, there's the frame by frame tools don't exist the way they do in BizHawk and some of the other things. Um, right. And because the run is so fast, I mean, you know, saving frames is going to be a huge thing, it seems like, especially with the, a leaderboard that's as competitive as, as TGM is.
1: Right, yeah. So the that's how you really improve your time in TGM is figuring out how to shave off pieces, frames for every piece, mm. because... Uh, A full game played up to level 999 is going to have... You're going to place about 770 pieces during that time. Um, It could be more, could be less, depending on how your line clears and your level stops go. Um, But you're going to have about that many pieces, and you're going to clear maybe around 220 lines, something like that. Um, And so if you shave off, you know, two frames per piece over 770 pieces you know you divide that by every 30 pieces that's a second because the game runs at 60 frames a second so you're actually talking legitimate real significant time saves just by shaving frames off of each individual piece
0: oh yeah you can see how that adds up very quickly uh, on the time yeah. saves over the course of a run <laughs> uh you know so you know i think it was just a few months ago on twitch i was watching the tetris championships and it was nes tetris right. and anything does anything like that exist for tgm
1: so uh not quite as big there's um an arcade i don't know if they're still doing it i, I so the uh this arcade pier 21 in Kodaira uh prefecture i think in like tokyo um I think they rebranded to like Retro Peer or something, or I don't know exactly what they're, they rebranded their name. I don't know if they're still running the monthly TGM tournament that they had run for years, um, but they had a, a monthly tournament that they would run. called. They called it the masters mm. and it was a TGM one tournament. And in order to even participate in the tournament, you had to be a GM ranked player oh wow (laughs) um and you can see uh uh, up on youtube they have all kinds of videos uh from the tournament and it's like it's just four tgm windows like captured in like a square grid um so there's uh as many as eight people playing at once and they do it um it, it was less of a pure competition and more uh like it was a handicap competition so um the better your pb is the longer you have to wait to start your run
0: oh they play with handicap how interesting
1: (laughs) yeah so like if um so then basically the way they the way they organize it is it it essentially the person who wins isn't going to be the person who plays the fastest it's going to be the person who most consistently plays near their personal best. Oh, wow. Interesting. That's actually, I think that's actually um,
0: That seems like a fair way to do it, to try if, Right. There is a, if, you know, to try to handicap uh, everyone on a yeah. similar playing field.
1: Well, and it like, cause if you played uh, basically based on pure time attack for that, like the upper limit for getting a grandmaster is 13 and a half minutes. The world record uh, is like, it's under nine minutes. It's like eight minutes and forty-six oh seconds, God. or something like close. that. It's, yeah. So there, I mean, there's a huge sure. skill gap between um, achieving a GM and the world record in this game. Like it's, it's ridiculous. And <laughs> um, so, so it's the only way to really get an interesting and fair um competition because if if seven 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 who's the world record holder is entering the tournament then i mean there's like four other people in, in who could potentially enter who'd have a chance at winning <laughs> like, right right <laughs>
0: No, I think that's I mean, that's so cool, and it's 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 I it's one of those things where personally, at some point, I need to venture to Japan just to experience uh, some of these right. because they have there's there's arcade clubs, there's all these different things going on in Japan that I wouldn't even have known about had it not been for Twitch. But it's it's, right. it's really cool they have a competitive scene that's uh, that has something like this going on. So okay so there I, I doing some research I know there are some sequels to, to TGM and I've seen you play them on your channel. Could you walk us through a little bit of them and what what are some of the very what, what are the differences in the sequels?
1: Yeah so uh, 1998 was TGM1 1. TGM2 was released in 2000 uh, and so um, TGM2 is uh, it introduces what they call sonic drop, which is a non-locking instant drop um which if you've played modern guideline Tetris you think that instant drop should lock right away that's how Tetris works um and a lot of people who play you know Tetris 99 or Puyo Puyo Tetris or Tetris effect or you know any of the the newer games that's what they're used to that they have a hard time adjusting to the sonic drop and uh to be honest it actually took me about a month of solid playing oh wow before i really got comfortable with the sonic drop because what happens is you can actually like uh do what we call like these semicircular motions on the controller or on the joystick to uh, instant drop the piece, shift it over one column and then lock it down and so you can do that to like slide under an overhang or uh, it's it's just a way to more consistently Place the piece where you want it to go, because if you just try to go up and down, you might accidentally, with the joystick, hit a left or a right input and move it the wrong direction. So sometimes we'll even, like, if I want to place it against a wall, like right up next to a wall on there, I'll place it and do that sort of semicircular motion to move quote move it into that wall <laughs> so that I don't accidentally push away from the wall by doing an up-down uh, input.
0: Um, does your brain so, h- struggle to go back and forth between those two? That's a t- that's a really different way of playing the game. I'm curious, is it easy to transfer between the two?
1: It's it's pretty easy to transfer okay. once you get the hang of it. Um, it's honestly, I have a harder time transferring to if I pick up my Switch to play Tetris 79. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that, I, can actually, I can totally see that. <laughs> so
1: yeah, and um, so that's like the biggest thing. The other thing that it does, TGM one, the only. Uh, timing that it really messes with is the gravity. And so um, at level 500 in TGM1, it goes to instant gravity, or 20G as we call it. The well is 20 uh, rows tall, and within a single frame, the piece will fall 20 rows. So so basically, that has the effect of the piece spawning on your stack Mm -hmm. and just being there. Um, in TGM 2, they start manipulating other timings to push you to play even faster. So there's, uh, um, in addition, after, again, after level 500 in the master mode, it starts out, it it's at instant gravity. There's also, they introduce a death mode that starts out at instant gravity and still gets faster. Oh my God. <laughs> and so what, the, the things that they manipulate there are, there's the time, uh, between when a piece locks down and the next piece spawns, um, that's called RA, um, which is just the Japanese word for that. <laughs> um, basically, <laughs> they didn't know what to call that time period, so they just started calling it that. <laughs> and and so that's, that's become the name that the TGM community uses to refer to that period of time. We just call it RA. Um, and Sounds technical. so they can shorten that time they can shorten the time for the line clear animation because like the line clear animation in tgm1 is i think uh 41 frames um that gets down super short in, like you could practically go make a cup of coffee during the 41 frame <laughs> line clear like people uh, are always amazed that i can read chat while playing tgm but like in tgm1 you have over a half a second when you clear a line before the piece next piece spawns so like i can clear a line i can look over and read chat and then i can start responding when the next piece spawns like
0: (laughs) i gotta say i'm one of the uh, that was one of my first questions when i saw i playing this at agq like how the hell do you read chat and play this game at the same time well little did i know
1: (laughs) yeah so uh but they can shorten that to make that to push you faster so you don't have as long of a time. Uh, there's what we call the delayed auto shift um, or DAS Uh, and DAS in TGM works very differently from how DAS works in NES Tetris. Mm -hmm. So uh, in NES Tetris, it's something like you hold left for like 16 frames or something like that. And then it before the first time to like, it'll move one column and then it won't move for like 16 frames. And then Mm it moves every six frames after that. I think I got those numbers, right? Maybe it's 10 frames. I don't know. Anyway, it's, (laughs) It's real weird, and you got to like, keep that charged between pieces to use the DAS there. Um, TGM, it is just there's a specific number of frames uh, that you have to hold to one side to charge up the DAS, and then the piece will auto rotate or auto, not auto, auto shift uh, one column every frame once it's charged up. Um, and so. Uh, you can actually charge that up in that that RA period between when a piece locks and the next one spawns. Um, But they can uh, sort of, if you shorten the amount of time that you have to uh, charge up that delayed auto shift, that gives the game a more slippery feeling and makes it uh, feel faster. There's also, uh, in TGM 1, when a piece touches down on the playfield, you've got 30 frames or half a second. The game runs at 60 FPS. Uh, you got 30 frames to maneuver the piece before it automatically locks down, no matter what. Modern Tetris, you can spam rotate and it won't lock down. Um, <laughs> not so in, in TGM. You could, the only way to reset that 30 frame timer is if the piece falls vertically, a row.
0: Then that 30 frame timer will reset. So. Um, it, it makes so, for some interesting challenges, but I could also see how you could, uh, not abuse, but uh, exploit that for speedrunning purposes. Like, there's some right. real things you can do there to make it quick.
1: Yeah, and so, um, in they make that timer short, too. So, like, TGM-1, you get 30 frames there. By uh, 1,200 in Shirase and TGM-3, that gets down to 8 frames that you have there. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Which is borderline unplayable. So... <laughs> yeah,
0: that's like <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: So yeah, it, it um, they do a lot of those things, manipulating that to push you to play faster. They also make the T- the GM requirements much more stringent mm-hmm. in um, uh, TGM two. They you have to clear so many Tetrises every one hundred levels, and your uh, the first five sections, your time has, can't be slower than a minute and five seconds um the to put that in perspective in tgm1 you can average like it's somewhere around a minute 21 or something like that per 100 level section to still meet the gm requirement (laughs) definitely
0: Uh, more forgiving
1: (laughs) right so you so you have to be like uh 65 seconds per section and then after that it starts comparing your time for the section to the previous section. And you can't be any more than two seconds slower than the previous section. Oh my God. Um, so it pushes you to play consistently as well. And you have to clear all these Tetrises. and, Oh yeah, you have to get an S nine rank. And the way that it calculates that S nine rank is much more strict. So it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, it's just, they just cranked it up to 11 in TGM two. And then after that, uh, if you meet all of those requirements, uh, then you get the credit roll. And where in TGM one, the credit roll is just kind of like a victory lap, and you have fun and and whatever, and you don't even have to play it out. Uh, TGM two, um, if so, if you clear the game, there's no guarantee that you're gonna be on pace for a grandmaster rank. So, um, so it has just clearing the game gives your score a green line under it, and so that. Uh, Having that green line means you completed the game and that's going to rank it above any game of the same rank that didn't finish. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you survive the entire credit roll, um, if you're not on pace for a Grandmaster, after five seconds, after a piece locks down, it turns invisible. It's still there. You just can't see it um, after five (laughs) seconds. And so if you survive for, it's like about a minute Uh, technically because of the frame rate of, I think it was supposed to be a minute, but because the game runs at a different frame rate, it's actually about a minute and one seconds, like a minute and 1.68 seconds (laughs) is how long you have to survive that. And then you get an orange line and the orange line is above the green line. (laughs) And what happens then is uh, if you meet all of those requirements, instead of being five seconds for the piece to turn invisible, it's instant. As soon as the piece locks down, it turns invisible. We call that the invisible roll or the M roll. If you don't survive uh, the M roll, you get a rank of M. And then um, in if you do survive that credit roll, uh, you get a green line grandmaster. Um, and if you clear at least 32 lines during that and survive you get an orange line grandmaster and that's the highest rank you can get in tgm2 is an orange line gm
0: going along with the theme of how you keep challenging yourself i can see why you enjoy this game because it seems like it really just cranks up the challenge on everything that was established in the original tgm oh
1: it it most certainly does and then um tgm3 uh yeah murdoch mentioned that (laughs) tgm3 randomizes the credits True. So then, you can't like even tell based on what's in the credit roll, what's coming up, how far a- along into the credit roll you are.
0: <laughs> why would they, yeah? Why would you need to know that?
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so um, TGM three uh, basically the, it takes away some of the requirements, but then adds some other ones. It has a cool system where basically. If you play the game enough, you'll see, like, at the bottom of the playfield, it'll say, it'll flash, like, cool, with two exclamation points. Or if you're not doing so well, it'll flash, regret, with two exclamation (laughs) points. You never want to see regret. I I joke that I I live my life like I play my Tetris, no regrets. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, in uh, TGM3, when you. When you get a cool, uh, there's a couple different ways you can get the cool, but the cools that matter are based on your time from zero to 70 or uh, 100 to 170 or whatever, th- those 70 level sections. You have to play those at a consistent speed. Mm-hmm. So it's between, you can't be more than two seconds slower than you did that time, that zero to 70 in the previous section. And if you're within that timeline, you get cool and that gives you a full grade promotion um and it skips you 100 levels in the speed curve <laughs> what oh my god <laughs> yeah so it's got a dynamic speed curve oh geez um and then uh because you can get these additional grades from the cools they added another set of levels in there so in, on top of going from you know nine down to one s1 up to s9 they add m1 up to m9 (laughs) of course and then after that there are levels there are grades of uh, master uh, master k master v master o master m and then finally gm and so uh, there's no rhyme or reason to those letters kvom that's you just kind of have to know that's the order and they picked them because they sound cool (laughs) 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 <laughs> so um and then um you have to uh uh it also adds a promotion system. It it, it has an account, so it, you have to log in with your initial. And then it keeps track of the games you've played and basically if you if I start a new account on a cabinet and I play, you know, a handful of games and I'm playing at an m4 level on average for that it'll be like uh it'll give me this like fanfare thing or whatever when i start the game and it's like promotional exam and then it puts like this gold border around the <laughs> the well and um and then it's like okay promotional exam for grade m4 and you have to play on that game at least a rank of m4 and that's how the game starts and it, and yeah, and so you have to play at least that rank to get like that as your qualified rank. Um, well, that's just and, insane. <laughs> and so is, say I qualify for M4, and then a series of bad games that I don't play very well, it keeps track of that too. And then it'll be like, oh, here's a demotional exam. <laughs> if you don't play at least this good, we're going to rank you down to M3. Oh, my God
0: this is so brutal (laughs) telling you you suck you've been sucking recently so so. (laughs) um
1: and so then what it does uh you can't even achieve the grandmaster rank until you're you clear a gm qualifying exam Wow. so you if you if you play at a gm level the game has code it's like oh you're not qualified gm we're ranking that down to a master m and wow and you in order to get that GM uh, promotional exam, it's somewhat random, but in order for it to even have the chance of giving you that promotional exam, at least four of your last seven games you've played have to be at the GM level. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Of course.
0: (sighs) So, wow, yeah. Brutal. But I appreciate that they decided to push what you know the difficulty curve through the sequels because why have sequels then if you're not going to do anything different to them exactly
1: and they they built on i mentioned death mode briefly where that game mode in tgm2 that starts out instant gravity and gets faster um and that's just a brutal test of of tetris uh (laughs) the analogous uh game mode in tgm3 is called shirase and it uh instead of well, it starts out at instant gravity and gets faster. Um, but at le- it has some other new gimmicks that it throws in there at you. Um, from level 500 onward, or 500 to 1,000, basically, I don't remember the exact timing on it. It has to do like the lines you clear, impact it, and stuff like that. So I don't have the formula memorized how it works. But it will, every so often, uh, and i believe that it gets faster as you progress through the more quickly it does this uh but it'll take the bottom row that you have on your stack and it'll copy it and just put that add that as garbage from the bottom <laughs> okay so so that really encourage you you're playing fast which is hard to keep a clean stack uh at instant gravity when you're pushing yourself to play very fast um Because also one thing I didn't mention is it has what the game calls a a Toricon or counterstop where in, in death mode, if you have to get to level 500 before the timer reaches three minutes and 25 seconds, or the game just ends, you get credits and you're like, Oh, I guess I did the thing and whatever. Uh, In, um tgm3 it does give you a hold and it does give you three uh, previews instead of one so it gives you those things it also gives you some floor kicks on the eyepiece that we didn't have before um but with all of those things it's like okay now you got to play super fast uh instead of three minutes and 25 seconds to reach level 500 you have two minutes and 28 seconds um (laughs) that seems fair (laughs) right yeah exactly and it also um uh, you also do get a bonus, a triple, instead of advancing you uh, four levels. And a Tetris, instead of advancing you four levels, advances six levels. So uh, clearing a Tetris actually makes you go uh, significantly faster uh, in TGM3. So um, so you have to do all of these things. You have to play very fast, but then you also have to be, be playing clean so that when that uh, garbage feature kicks in, you're uh, not copying too many holes. You just, ideally, you just want to have one hole in the right well for your Tetris, and that's all that it's copying. And then uh, it actually, because of that, it's basically adding nine pieces into your playfield that you didn't have to play. If you're stacking clean, you can play even faster because that's nine blocks you didn't have to place to clear that line. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then after. Uh, uh, one thousand. This is the only game mode that goes beyond level nine hundred ninety nine. Yeah, was as to say, I, I um, didn't know any of them did. Yeah. So after level one thousand in Shirase, uh, it goes to bracket blocks. Uh, basically monochrome square bracket blocks. So like j- the square brackets on your keyboard, um, and those it's kind of a throwback and homage to the original Tetris uh that Alexei Pajitnov made on the uh Electronica 60 uh Russian computer <laughs> cuz that was all like a whole text-based thing and right. so it's kind of like throwback to that and um so it does that and it's also getting ridiculously fast while you're playing in monochrome so you can't use the piece colors to, as an indicator cuz when you're playing you'll often um like Look, watch out of the periphery the color in the next block above your above your well and you see like oh uh that's a red flash that's an eyepiece or oh that's a yellow flash that's an o piece like you don't get that anymore and then it's also going ridiculously fast and it's just it's amazing that anyone can clear it with any consistency
0: murdoch providing a visual representation in the chat we appreciate that yeah and
1: so (laughs) Uh, TGM3 also introduces world rule, which was uh, pushed on them by the Tetris company, and that's the super rotation system. Um, and so, if you do Shirase in, with world rule, those bracket blocks are green. If hmm. you do them in uh, classic rule, those bracket blocks are gray. Oh,
0: interesting.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, but then um, so that's kind of the the rundown. Uh, TGM3 also introduces uh, called Sakura which is it's a puzzle mode Mm -hmm. where there are like um, preset stages that then have um, garbage like on them when you go into them. And some of the blocks are, instead of being square, are round orbs. And the goal is you have to clear all of those orbs off the screen as fast as possible to advance to the next stage. And the TGM-3 Sakura mode has a fixed piece sequence, um and so there's like a whole world record route for doing it and it's it's ridiculous and awesome. And and yeah, as, as Murdoch mentions, this game mode was uh inspired by um the Tetris with Card Capture Sakura game that I had showed off earlier. Uh that's how you play that game. It's got oh. those uh orbs that you have to clear, and that's the whole like thing. And so it's an, it's a real interesting different take on Tetris. You're using Tetris mechanics, but you're not playing Tetris in the traditional sense. Um, and that's, and a uh, little history there, the Card Cardcaptor Sakura was not an original idea on its own. That was actually inspired by a Sega game called Flashpoint, which was a Sega arcade game. So which is an arcade PCB that I
0: do not own, but it's on the
1: list that I want to get. So. <laughs>
0: uh, <yes. laughs> That's uh, that's actually really interesting. So, like, so um, a gaming historian did actually uh, uh, a really good history on the original Tetris. Uh, and yes. I'd recommend it if you haven't watched, it. but that's how I got some of my knowledge of it. And uh, it, it's fascinating to me where some of this has started and what we've what, what it has evolved to. And that's great that that uh, it seems like there's always uh, a great bit of respect for what has come previously to it uh, right. as well, which I think is really cool in incorporating those type of modes.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's like another thing I didn't mention there was The whole concept for 20G in Tetris, like that instant gravity, that actually, as far as we know, came from a Sega Tetris fan game made uh, by a Japanese developer uh, for the Sharp 68K (laughs) 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 called. uh, So it's it's called like either Tetris Semi Pro or Shimizu Tetris, where the Shimizu, I think, is the the name of the developer um and uh but he also spells tetris in the actual russian characters not with like the fake ones where we we have it with the backwards r or whatever (laughs) that you see sometimes (laughs) so it looks it doesn't look like it says tetris but that's because it's not uh written in english (laughs) (laughs) um and so that was a real interesting uh project because it introduced uh, 20G, but that was also with Sega, ro- uh, Sega Tetris rotations that didn't have uh, wall kicks. Ah, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> dig yes. it. And um, it also introduced a game mode with a, uh, I think it was a four wide well. So it was like 20 rows tall, but four wet rows or columns wide. And that kind of became the inspiration for the big mode Tetris that uh TGM has where with a button code what it does is it effectively ha- cuts the play field in half vertically and horizontally oh wow and it, so it gives you a well that's five by five or the and or well five wide and ten tall um and the way it actually achieves that is by doubling the size of the blocks mm. so um <laughs> and <laughs> so then that is uh that's a real real fun game mode it's also brutally difficult and uh, there's only a handful of people who have ever gotten grandmaster in big mode in tgm um in tgm2 they actually the game will not let you get a grandmaster with that so s9 is the highest you can get and there's again like only a i want to say sal so sal is like the champion of big mode um and he's done all the big mode things. And I want to say that uh, SQR has also probably gotten a big mode S9 in TGM2. And I'm not sure if anyone else has.
0: <laughs> you know, speaking of all these different variations of TGM, do you um, do you have a preference or do you find yourself playing one more than the other?
1: So um, TGM1 was my first uh, introduction to the series. And so I always have a spot for that. But um, I feel like TGM2 is that sweet spot mm-hmm. of like, balancing the action and the puzzle. And so it it's fast enough that it's super interesting and it challenges you enough that like you can always get better and stuff. And so um TGM one is a great like pure puzzle
0: game in my mind. Um, uh, you know, one thing that I, I totally forgot to ask too, Um, why is the joystick uh, the preferred uh, playing uh, device for uh, TGM?
1: Yeah, so uh that mostly comes down to the fact that it is an arc mm. so it would be in uh arcades on cabinets and like I know Pier 21 has a cabinet that is set up with a hitbox layout on it um but basically if you're going to see it at an arcade you're going to have a joystick and buttons mm. and that's so that's that's why it's the preferred method um a lot of people can and, and do play like on a hitbox or on a keyboard and and do very well. Um but like that uh I sorta one thing I didn't sort finish my thought earlier mm. about the semicircular rotations yeah um that you do to place the pieces in TGM two and also TGM three. Um that was a thing that's very fluid and comfortable on a joystick. It's not quite so much on a keyboard or on a hitbox. Um and the players in japan when they discovered this they um, felt like it reminded them a lot about playing fighting games and playing one character in particular zangi from street fighter 2 and so they uh, they actually named those like circular semicircular motions that you do on the joystick after him and so uh, we still call them zangi moves
0: <laughs> that's so. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's immediately where my brain went too. By the way, I went to Street Fire 2 Just you know, being able to to rotate the joystick halfway around in a circular motion. Here's the question from Murdoch on the chat. He says, um, "Is the recently released prototype Tetris on the Genesis Mini a Sega Tetris ruled Tetris game, or is it more of a World rule?"
1: I believe that that is a Sega Tetris rule. Um, I have not actually played it or seen it um really but i believe it's yeah what cloudy shoe says it's the the mega it's sort of like a hybrid i think it has some of the things from the mega drive uh tetris version that was released in japan um it also has some of the things that were different that were in the arcade version it's from what i understand it's not entirely clear to me what all is going on with that particular game <laughs> um, but it's it's one that i am definitely curious about and so i might have to uh Pick up one of these Genesis minis to play it. So.
0: <laughs> well, and I think that that it kind of starts to highlight the whole big picture of Tetris, and and that is that there's so many different variations. And I still have yet to meet a person who has disliked their Tetris experience with whatever Tetris game they have. Um, and I, I think that's uh, you know I think that's I guess that's why Tetris is probably going to be around forever. <laughs> it's just right. it, it, there are so many different ways to play it. It's a, it can appeal to anybody, you know. Yep. Uh, let's see how good are you at secret grade I don't even know what that is bro yeah, so that's
1: that's a good one so uh to explain what secret grade is so uh with Sega Tetris in um uh Japan in the that was I think 1988 was when that was released um with Sega Tetris the community just got so ridiculously good at that game that they invented ways to challenge themselves and the thing that they started, or one of the things they started doing was trying to leave a specific pattern of holes in the stack as you're playing. And so they basically trying to fill the screen with blocks, leaving a specific pattern of holes. And that pattern is one hole in the bottom left corner and then one hole diagonally up from that all the way to the right. And then turning around and back to the left wall. Um, And... (laughs) Wow. so <laughs> that's a and that's the, the whole idea behind it is to leave those those holes and fill the rest of the screen with with um, blocks hmm. and that was a community challenge and um I don't know I've never seen that anyone has officially uh, it, or legitimately done that uh, completed it on Sega Tetris but that was a community sort of challenge that people would do. Um, with uh, Arika when they made Tetris the Grandmaster as kind of a nod to that community, they added in detection for that pattern. And so um, as you, if you try to do that on TGM, if you build enough up in that pattern and you top out, it will give you, it'll say secret grade and then give you a grade. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you have to complete the entire pattern uh, to get a secret GM. Um, and so uh, if you're one row below a GM, you can get an S- two rows S8 and, and so on. And so um, it's easiest to do that on TGM3 just because you have the multiple previews and you have the hold and you get, there are some of the floor kick things that can also help out. Um, so uh, people like Kataru can... When he was really practicing that, he could pull off a uh, secret GM on TGM3 somewhat consistently.
0: Uh,
1: um, my, I've not really tried it on TGM3. Uh, like I said, I still have to put those diodes into my arcade stick before <laughs> I can really play that. Uh, well, I do have TGM3 though. <laughs> um, That's but it. Uh, in so it's it's much more difficult in TGM2 because TGM2 doesn't have it only has one preview the randomizer is also very different from TGM3 mm. TGM3 is kind like i've heard it described as kind of like a 35 bag with replacement or something like that um or maybe a 49 bag i don't know it's like no 35 i think anyway it's like a it has replacement in there and it's drawing from a bag as opposed to like TGM2 uses a four piece history uh, with six re-rolls to do it, so that randomizer is a bit less forgiving. Um, and you don't you only have one preview. You don't have any holds, so if you get a piece that you don't like, you just have to deal. <laughs> um, and then TGM-1 is even harder because you'll have four re-rolls in the randomizer instead of six, and you don't have instant drops, so that makes it frustrating if you have to tuck a piece under an overhang or something. Um, so... My personal best is an S8, and I've gotten a secret grade S8 in both regular and reverse mode TGM. (laughs) And reverse mode is when they take the, well, you input a button code on TGM1 that uh, effectively flips the game 180 degrees. And so um, the pieces fall from the bottom to the top. And then instead of being, I sort of alluded to this before, but TGM is uh right side biased so that's why we always stack with the Tetris well to the right side mm. and when you rotate the well 180 degrees now it's left side biased and so oh, <laughs> um so it's it's a very weird thing and um i'd be i don't know if anyone has ever done better than an s8 in uh rev mode secret grade <laughs> but i i, I kind of doubt it <laughs> um and uh, that's actually a game mode um, that I became the first person outside of Japan to get a Grandmaster rank in, which is probably my crowning achievement when it comes to Tetris.
0: <laughs> well, as I, and I was preparing for this, uh, the the recording today, I did watch your GDQ run, uh, Rev Mode, and my brain just breaks watching it. I just don't even understand how it works that way. I know it's only flipping upside down, but it, literally my brain breaks when I watch it.
1: Oh. Oh no. I mean, my brain broke all the time. So, <laughs> um, basically like it was the closest I think I could ever come to like learning to play Tetris all over again. <laughs> um, because like, in the way I got into playing Revmo SGD in advance of SGDQ 2016, um, I was playing a lot of TGM because I was in the TGM uh, exhibition there and, um, when I would get like frustrated or if I needed sort of a mental break uh from grinding TGM one like crazy. Um I decided like, okay, I'm gonna do rev mode, just as like a palate cleanser right. or whatever. And
0: and like That's I play relax. a game
1: or two of Rev mode and then it set my brain and then I could come back to uh normal TGM one and And then I had a game that I played, and I was like, oh, I survived to level 500 and got an S3, like, on rev mode. Like, I can actually play this. Like, maybe I should look into actually grinding this out. (laughs) And so then by the time, yeah, SGDQ 2017, uh, I had gotten that Grandmaster rank, and I was... uh, um, I got Rev Mode accepted as a bonus game, that, then the the incentive got met, and I'm still a little disappointed with how I performed, actually, in the, the Rev Mode bonus at uh, GDQ, so.
0: It cracks me up how your brain works, though, that to relax, to get away from the TGM uh, grind, you play Rev Mode, which is, in my opinion, brain-breaking, but I could see how it, it does, you know, it, it might refresh or reset the way that you have to think about certain things, so. Yeah um so of all uh so you, you, i i noticed that you, you're still grinding tgm to this day uh and, right. and i'm curious if you have is there like a set goal in mind or is it just the challenge of it every single time you like what, what what keeps you going in the game are there goals that you set
1: yeah oh i have all kinds of goals there I, I set very lofty goals for play video games
0: um, <laughs> and so
1: uh my like I have a goal. I wanna get a Grandmaster rank in all of the game modes. <laughs> um and awesome. so I have I have not achieved that, so I will continue the grind. Um and actually I've been you commented uh sort of at the start of the podcast that um I've been grinding a lot of Zelda 2 lately and and that's true, but I think uh my plan is to sort of take a bit of a break from Zelda 2 and, and really try to focus on in on some TGM to to take care of some of that unfinished business that I've got there, so.
0: (laughs) So cool, so awesome. Before we go, I do want to share that uh, a personal story really quick, and that is that um, it hasn't happened too often. Only uh, I'd say two or three times when I've been streaming that I will get a little, um, what's the word, like, uh, when you're like uh, a little celebrity shocked by somebody popping up. And my first experience was watching you, Eon. Uh, at, I can't remember which GDQ it was, but I remember you had an interview. So I remember seeing and hearing, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is the kind of person like I, I I, really enjoy the way she's speaking about the games. And it was for Tetris, but I don't remember which one it was specifically. But anyway, so when you first popped up in my chat, I almost, uh, my, my head almost broke because it was like seeing, kind of like seeing a celebrity in my chat. And I'm just like, oh my God, so I made it somebody i know is so, so in the chat so uh I, I appreciate having to gotten to know you a little bit over the past uh yeah. months and times and I, I thank you so much for doing something like this i, I really do appreciate it i'm just some nerd it's cool <laughs> <laughs> yes but you're a real person and like those are so cool <laughs> so um if people yeah,
1: no, i'm uh, really enjoyed this um i'm excited <laughs> for the episode to come out and uh real real happy to have <laughs> met you at uh finally at agdq yeah, a real life person person. Um, yeah so i um yeah it was great to meet you there I, I love the show i've listened to all the ones that have been released so. <laughs> thank,
0: you. thank you so much i appreciate it we're trying to try to improve the quality as we go along um i'm curious if people want to actually i'm not curious i know where to go but if people want to find your space on the internet where can people find you where would you send them
1: sure yeah so i'm on twitch at enchantress of numbers or you can get there uh I use, uh, I have a, a short like redirect domain that's heck.tv h-ck.tv that'll send you right to my Twitch um, <laughs> and then you could also like put socialmedia.heck.tv so like oh, nice. twitter.heck.tv or youtube.heck.tv um discord.heck.tv if you want to join my discord. Anyway, stop by see me at any of the places or all of the places. I don't have an Instagram <laughs>
0: <laughs> She is on Twitter and I, are you Eon twi- tweets at, at, on Twitter? Yeah, e- EON underscore tweets at uh, uh, Twitter is where I am. Thank you everyone for listening and watching. If you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to share it with family, friends, and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. All those go a really long way to helping out the podcast. Thank you so much. Have a good one.